thank you for tuning in to Beautiful Earth. I am your host, Barbara White, and it is my joy, my honor, and my excitement to talk to you about what Beautiful Earth is about, to support you in becoming the next best version of yourself, and to sink into your soul's calling, your heart's calling, to help you listen to your heart, because where your heart guides, your heart provides. So thank you for tuning in, and um, right now I'm actually broadcasting from a cornfield out here in Manchester, Michigan. <laughs> and it, I, the, the original game plan was to um, begin the podcast from Sasha Farms, but um, I am sometimes a cheapskate, and I don't like paying a whole bunch for cell phone service. <laughs> So I have a uh, phone that won't get service out there. So here I am out in Manchester, and um, later on I will bring four incredible people, um, Dorothy, Monty, Brees, and Sophie to the show. And uh, you'll get to hear their life story of how they followed their heart, did something amazing in the world about Sasha Farms, about the animals in the farm, so if you have any interest in animals and following your own heart and believing in your own dreams and want to be inspired, I would come on. I had, last show, I had uh, Robert Alexander, Dr. Robert Alexander, and he had um, put the rays and frequency of the sun to music, and now he's working with a, where they're teaching people about their emotions and self-awareness through technology. So as he had said, and I believe as well, that technology can either help connect us or disconnect us. Because we are a high-touch, low-touch, high-tech society. Um, But he had shared also an amazing story about uh, vulnerability and how it was a source of power for him. And the story that he told just, uh, it, it, it inspired me for weeks. It really did. And um, so if you didn't get the chance to listen to that interview and the meditation that I did prior, I would really um, check that out. Check out that show as well. So Beautiful Earth, what is that? It's it's knowing that life is in constant celebration. Life is in constant flow and that when the weed coming out of the cement hits the cement, it doesn't say cement. Why are you here? Why are you uh, in my way? The weed just desires to grow, right? It just, it just, it just focuses on that urging. And our ego, which we all have one, right? The part of our mind that attacks ourselves, part of our mind that's just really not our friend, um, doesn't do that, right? We we get we get into an obstacle, and at times we can attack ourselves, we can attack others, and spend so much energy in a state of defense, proving or protecting, that all that energy of defense, proving and protecting, is not much, much energy left to live our life, to follow our heart. In addition, we're not given the tools, right, to follow our heart. Even if you grew up in a semi-healthy household, you're really not given the tools. And I know maybe you're saying, well, yes, I was, you know, but I don't think so. I, I, 
if you were, you are a rare, rare bird. The tool is to follow in your heart of listening to your soul's whisper of meditation, of deep self-acceptance, of not identifying yourself as your gender, the roles you play in the world, what your family has told you that you have to be, what society tells you you have to be. To, to be able to let all of that, first be aware of it, and then to be able to have tools to let that cut it away. I, I tend to not uh, follow that form of methodology. I would say embrace it and love it, because what we love transforms. And love, you know, that kind of love, of loving the part of me that thinks I have to play this role in the world, or I like I have to provide, or I have to be the provider in the family. I can't follow my joy because if I'm not the provider, I'm not worthy. Or I have to um, look a certain way, otherwise I won't be accepted in my work. Or those loving those parts of ourselves, the parts of ourselves that would rather fit in than be free. The parts of herself that would be rather stay in mediocrity than follow our joy. Because, gosh, following your joy, it sounds it sounds easy. Breaking those agreements with society, agreements with being small, the roles we're going to play. So on beautiful earth, we celebrate that, that urging that's in nature that's demonstrated but by a dang weed. It just hits the cement and says, I am going forward towards my joy, towards life this cornfield that's in front of me that doesn't sit there and say, why me, or what do you want me to be, or why do you, do you want me to be an apple, do you want me to be a pear? No, it just, it continues to express its cornness. <laughs> it's very corny. <laughs> or a flower that just puts its scent off and it doesn't say, do you like my scent? Is this okay? Am I the right color? Am I the right shape? It just expresses its flowerness. So giving ourselves full permission to be ourselves, full permission to follow what's true to our heart, to really let that evolutionary impulse, that evolutionary impulse that's demonstrated in nature, in the earth, in all the life, to give that full permission, that's beautiful earth. That's what our beautiful earth teaches us. Did you know... And I know I've said this in other shows, but it's so important. U of M did a study. They studied 5,000 life people that said they had life-changing shifts. 5,000. This is recently out of U of M, their psychology department. Out of those 5,000 life-changing shifts, did you know 70% of them happened in nature, around nature or animals? Now, this is, this is a pretty scary fact that if you think um, if something has to happen, it has to be complicated and change has to happen through a certain therapy or through in a building, in an institution. If somebody can sit next to a tree and commune with animals in nature and have a life-changing shift, So if you really just take a moment to take that in, 
that is very threatening. It's very, you know, it's very, it, it, it's something that took me a while to accept that trained as a transpersonal therapist that a tree and a, and a cow and a horse can help a person shift and change their life more than I can. You know, it's very humbling. Haven't you seen where a dog just comes into a room and then they're able to wake that person up to joy and more compassion and love than any, and I'm not discounting therapists and programs and institutions. I mean, we all need, we all have different access points into ourselves. But this U of M study, what it showed was percent of them. Now, they took the study even further. And they found that out of that 70%, it was life in the sustaining, that over over 60% of that, that group of 5,000, the revolution they had in nature stayed within the rest of their life. The 30% that was in an institution or in a program, only 25% of them were life-sustaining. So in Beautiful Earth, we really honor the power of simplicity, the power that nature and animals and the earth has the power to wake us up to who we truly are. One of my, um, one of my favorite teachers, um, there's so many great people that are teaching incredible stuff nowadays, but David Abram, he, he wrote the book Spell of the Sensuous. And he said, we must return more to our animal nature to become more ourselves. And so, again, if you look at that U of M study, that out of the 5,000 spiritual awakenings, 70% were in nature and with animals. Nature is reminding us of who we truly are. It's reminding us that it constantly seeks life. That it doesn't waste its energy asking, why me? It's your fault. It's my fault. Which is what our ego does, right? And we all, we all do that. It's okay. That's actually the very part of us that needs love. The part of us that gets scared, the part of us that does attack ourselves and attacks others, rather than sure and animals demonstrate, which is go towards life. And then as I was talking a few minutes ago that following our heart is really more complicated than just follow your heart. And it's what Brees and Sophie and Dorothy and Monty have demonstrated and are living, and I'm so excited to bring them on in a few minutes. Because when we hear these stories of people that have courageously followed their heart, they're people who have broken agreements with what roles they're supposed to play in society and what they're supposed to look like, and they just really stayed true to their heart, even if society or their culture or their family didn't agree with it. I don't know about you, but that inspires me to have the courage to go towards my heart even more, what's really my highest joy. Again, going towards our heart, our highest joy is not always the easy. It's a work in progress because if we have, we all have some type of pain or trauma that can get in the way. 
we all have these stories and cultural assumptions that we don't even know are there. The cultural assumption that you have to be a certain way to be accepted and loved. So in Beautiful Earth, we're celebrating that we have a perfect example through people that have stepped through that doorway, but as well as in nature and in animals. There's a lot that we have to unwind to really get to that place of following our heart and listening to nature. One cultural assumption, of course, is in the 17th century when Descartes declared that matter and spirit are separate. Now, he did this because in the time he wanted to study cadavers. But the church wouldn't let him because they, um, science was, that if science had any hint of spirituality or any hint of honoring emotions or the psyche, you weren't allowed to do it. You were, you were put in prison or you were killed. So he, was, he declared that, that spirit and matter or the earth and our, our hearts or our body and our minds were separate so that he could study cadavers. But now we're having a reuniting of that, right? So that that separation of mind and body, that our mind actually has effects over our body, that your liver, your kidneys, your heart has an ability to think. In fact, we know now that emotions produce neuropeptides, amino acids that bind with our organs, and they create a cellophane around our organs. So if you repress your anger, it can congest your liver. If you repress your grief, it can create those neuropeptides, they bind, they, they take up the space of where nutrients can go in and toxins can come out. So we have Nobel Peace Prize uh, winners now, like Candace Pert, that have shown that every emotion you don't allow yourself to feel is blocking your ability to receive nutrients in your body and get rid of toxins. So feeling is healing, the famous quote from Carl Jung. If you allow yourself to feel your emotions without attacking yourself or another, you get still enough and you maybe get in these you are not your feelings. That you shift. You shift from thinking you are all these limitations and these things and that, that emotion, but pain actually is the, the emotional awareness. Pain is actually the gateway or the bridge, if you will, into remembering who you are. See, animals and, and, and what uh, these stories that Brees and Sophie and Dorothy and Monty are going to bring forward from Sasha Farms is animals show us the process of healing. They they demonstrate a resilience and a, they too go through feeling their emotions. But from my experience, they don't add as much story as humans do. Definitely have emotions, but they don't um, add all the extra stuff that us humans add. And so the stories that I, you're about to hear from from the life stories of each of these people, but as as well as the animal stories from Sasha Farms, can really show us that it is possible. There's a story that about uh, rescuing cows that um, one of the members of Sasha Farms will hopefully share that I think if any human went through that, they would either be scarred for life or they they would probably need five years of, of deep trauma therapy 
but these cows didn't respond in that way. So we have all these cultural assumptions that we are unwinding so that we can really listen to our hearts and allow this beautiful earth, allow all the beauty that is constantly wanting to seduce us into our greatest and best self, allow it into our heart and into our body, that we can have a reciprocity to our perception and really see that tree and see that animal instead of putting all the labels to really experience it. From giving many nature retreats and helping people to connect, one thing we do, like we label, oh, that's a tree, that's a cow. And the moment, moment we label it, we actually don't experience that animal and that plant. But we do the same thing with people, right? So animals, again, nature, again, teaches us. Because when we're surrounded by a whole forest, you can't label all those trees. When we're surrounded by all these beautiful animals at Sasha Farms that have chosen to just continue to grow and Go forward, they're at go forward to life, they go towards life. All those labels begin to fall away. All right, so I'm gonna bring on Brees and Sophie and Dorothy and Monty from Sasha Farms. And like I said, because I'm broadcasting here in Manchester, um, in a cornfield, <laughs> which is just fantastic. I don't have access to the um, bio of Sasha Farms, but I will tell you this. As a volunteer there, it has healed me and changed my life. That being around the animals has inspired me to sell my house and give away 80% of my belongings and take the equity that I have and do something that is truly aligned with my heart. And I'm still going to do retreats. That's actually part of my plan. I'm still going to work with people, but I want to get, I want to, I want to create a sanctuary or something. I'm, I'm still, it's still in the development process, but I have the, you know, I got the eco psychology degree and I got the money and now I'm just taking one step at a time of what, what's, what is the highest joy? What can, what can really serve the earth and, and humanity as well as be my highest joy? Because those two things are actually the same thing. That when we meet a core need of others, we actually meet the core need in our own heart, which is to be of service, which is to know that we matter, to use our hands and our mouth and our being to serve the benefit of the world. I, I just think there's no greater joy for a human or anyone to know that we all are angels or servants disguised in human form, no matter if you're an accountant or you're a, working at a, a department store or you're, we all have that mission inside of our heart to make a difference, right? To to live on purpose. And so Monty and Dorothy and Sophie and Brees, they have, they have followed that calling, that, that impulse to live on purpose, to make a difference in this world. And gosh, it's so exciting to bring them on because Sasha Farms has been originally named after a collie. It, it had, um, it's been around, I believe, and you'll have to, when I bring them on, I'll have to correct me, I think 30 years, 30 years it's been around since the 80s. And they have established a um, a sanctuary, a, a, a world of love and support and duration of what is possible in healing, what what is possible in love. 
So uh, with no further ado, I'm going to bring them on. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hey, Barbara. Hey. And could everybody just say hi again so I can make sure that I can hear everyone? Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Sophia. <laughs> hi, this is Dorothy. Okay. Hey, Barbara. It's Grace. Hi, Dorothy. This is Monty. Hello. Hi, Monty. Great. So could you um, what I, fill in the gaps of the, the history of Sasha Farms that I might have missed? I'm actually going to pass that torch to Dorothy. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, hi. Um, first, thanks for having us on your show. And um, we're all huddled together here in an office in the same place, which hardly ever happens for the four of us because we're all off doing different things for the animals. Bruce and Sophie mm. are outside with Monty working like crazy. Um, I'm pushing a pencil in the office usually. Um, we, it was a gradual process for us. It's hard to say it was this day that we started. We just didn't eat animals. So people who didn't want to have them slaughtered started bringing them to us. And it was like, you know, old mother Hubbard, you know, my, my shoe was getting pretty full of animals. And um, I quit my job as a librarian and in the early nineties. And we formed this nonprofit and became official in 2001. But we've been doing this since we moved here in 1981. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And what, um, and I'd love to hear from all of you, because I think all, it, it's what gave, like what, because that takes so much courage to, to, to leave your current job. And I know Sophie, you made a big change and Brees, and like, could each of you speak about where did that courage come from to be able to, and then if you'd share a little bit of your story of going towards uh, helping the animals and service and um, where did that courage come from or what gave you the courage? Well, I'm not sure it took courage. It was just, it seemed like the right thing to do and you just do mm. what you have to do to make it happen. There was such a great need out here in farm country to, to save some animals' lives, and it was just, we were drawn to it. Everybody picks a cause, and this was this drew us. It just drew our hearts and minds, so we, we chose to live this lifestyle. I'll let uh, somebody else talk about them. Yeah. Um, also, thanks for having us on, Barbara. It's uh, really cool to be here with you and get to share these stories of the animals. Um my story is that I was training horses because it was a part of our family business. We also milked cows, and so having animals in my life was always um, just the way I grew up. That was, you know, some people live in the suburbs. I grew up on a farm. And as I matured into choosing a career path, it just seemed natural that I would continue this knowledge and experience of, of working with animals. It wasn't until college that I really realized what happened to animals on the larger farms and that sparked this wave of change in perception and a change in my heart to to speak out for these animals and it could and it shocked me that it could be done so easily as just changing what you eat and so at that mm. time became vegetarian and that eventually grew into veganism over the years and for me it was Sasha has been a blessing as it is for so many people because I had all this knowledge and this skill of reading animal behavior, knowing 
what they like and how to take care of them and how to uh, you know clean up after them and enrich their lives. But I had nowhere to, to showcase that. You know, uh, you know, most of the opportunities to take care of animals are in places where they're using them, where they're exploiting them, being a you know my, whether a zoo or a horse training facility or what have you. Um, so having a place that was even close to where I live um, that actually re- respects animals and just gives them their freedom back and allows them to be themselves. I mean, I couldn't mm. believe that this just kind of fell in my lap and it was a 20-minute drive away. <laughs> Thank you. Sophie, you want to share your story? Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, hey, Barbara. <laughs> Sophia. Hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for having us on. Um, so, yeah. Oh, my I, pleasure. I like you know. Sorry, like, you know, um, I came up from Texas, and uh, the way I heard about Sasha was um, when I went, I was originally vegetarian, and I didn't know about the dairy and egg industry, and um, I actually learned from an uh, animal activist uh, named Gary Urofsky, and uh, he was a big supporter of uh, Sasha as well, and um, as soon as I found out about Sasha Farm um, from him, I called him up, and I talked to Dorothy on the phone, and uh I wanted to get out here as soon as I could, and they had a place for me to stay. And uh, I volunteered first for about a week at a time, and I'd come out for a couple, couple times each year, or one time each year. And then they offered um, me a position. So um, I've always loved animals, and I've always uh, wanted to work in some sort of field as far as helping animals out. And um, yeah, ever since I've come out here, I've been here for about a year and a half now, and I love it. I love working with animals, I've uh, learned so much and just, you don't really, I mean, you know, animals are individuals and they, they have the same, you know, similar emotions and things like that, but you don't fully understand until you really are right beside them and you, you experience things that you wouldn't experience in everyday lives. So, I mean, that's one thing I always take away from working here. Oh, that's amazing. So it's it's I love the answer. So with with Dorothy, I love the matter of factness of I just saw a need and I met it. It's, it was just a there was a need here and I responded to that need and 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 so um and then with Breeze, it's it's to to saw the suffering and then decided to be a voice for then the suffering was like I decided to be a voice for all these animals and what's happening with the horses and the training and um and then as you I mean to to break the the as you said the faint you you came from your family that was raising horses and to decide that you were going to um, be a voice for for what was really happening to the animals in the training and then Sophie to to move to to find what was what was calling you forward and then to take the step to volunteer and then to to move all your belongings and yourself all the way from Texas to file that and it's like. I hope and I know that anyone's listening uh, that will be inspired that if they're they're like, oh, well, I could do this or I could volunteer here or I could, you know, I really want to be doing this, but I don't want to have the the, the um, discomfort of changing my job. Well, now you can see, well, somebody just moved all their, all their belongings and their whole self all the way from another state. Uh, another person, uh, Brees, just um, decided to go and do something different with his whole family 
uh, said what was to and Dorothy just saw and met and a need and met it. <laughs> so thank you for sharing your stories. Um, and, and I'd love to hear more. And um, what, what is, so let's, let's, let's start with um, why isn't it those that, that say, well, what, what's wrong with eating meat? What's wrong with um, dairy? Like, what do, what do you mean um, uh, when you talk to Brees about uh, what's happening with, the farming industry. What, is it, what do you mean, Sophie? What's wrong with eating uh, eggs? And so, can uh, one or a few of you speak on to that topic? Well, I might be able to add some to that. All you need to do is go on one cow rescue, and that'll answer all those questions. Um, the dairy industry. Everybody thinks that these dairy cows live happy and free and green grass and everything, but that's not the case. There's more suffering in a gallon of milk than there is in a pound of beef because that cow mm. has to live a lot longer than a beef cow. You know, dairy cows have a rough life in this country. There's just no two ways about it. And uh, as far as the sanctuary goes, uh, uh, you know, we have we have dairy breeds here and we have other animals too that are suffered by the uh, factory farming uh, situation. But... Uh, it's a no-brainer when you look at factory farms, how cruel mm. they are. Mm. Hmm. I hope I Thank you, Monty. <laughs> no, no, I, no. I, that's a yeah. that is such a pertinent quote. Uh, there's more suffering no, well, in a gallon of milk than a pound. Started, when we started this, you know, uh, uh, Dorothy said oh, we're going to open up a sanctuary. <laughs> I worked 70 hours a week on my job, and I'd do as much as I could oh. when I got home. And now I'm home all the time, and I don't know how I got it done because I can't hardly get it done now. There's there's a lot of work to run in the sanctuary. For anyone that that thinks it's uh, all fun and games, it's not. It's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. Okay, you volunteer here. You realize that it's a lot of work. Okay. Well, Wait, uh, I, yeah, go. you were working a 70-hour work, work week. And, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to give you back to Bruce. Okay, okay. thank you for having us on, uh, and uh, um, have a good day. Thank you, Monty. <laughs> um, did you want? Did you want anything added to the suffering of these animals on factory farms? Yeah, like just because a lot of people just don't know. They 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 don't right. So so what what is it? Uh, what is the suffering of the factory farm? What happens to these animals well there's it's a long story and most of us who have researched this had no idea so those who are still in the dark it may come as a huge shock to the mutilations Mm -hmm. of these animals the confinement that they only allow to live a fraction of their lifespan you know we kill these chickens at two months old you know eight weeks and they can live to be, you know, six, seven, and older sometimes. Um, most of these beef cows are killed at one year to two years old. Um, the dairy cows killed when they're around six. You know, so they're in that position because their bodies are so exhausted by the time they get that old, whether it be from their genes being so changed to grow faster and to grow more muscle than they would naturally, and then that they never have free range to move around. Veal calves are stuck in a tiny crate the size of themselves. They can stand up and lay down, and that's it. Um, caged hens, 
you know, about 80% of our eggs in the grocery store are coming from chickens that are raised in such a small space that they can't stretch their wings or even stand up straight. Legally, the USDA mm. says one sheet of paper per bird in space to live in for the duration of their Oof. life. They also never mm. experience the sunshine. Most of these animals never go outside. They're living in concrete pens, walls with no windows. I mean, you just can't understand it until you, you know, see it, research for yourself, or watch a documentary. A lot of us learned that way, you know, some of these undercover investigations. Um, so knowing that and what that does to them, psychologically, what we mm. can experience here at Sasha is that when they're released from that imprisonment, they have wonderful personalities. And they love mm -hmm. to run and to play in the mud. We recently rescued um, five cows and three pigs from a cruelty case in Livingston County. It was, it's probably the most horrendous case of cruelty ever witnessed. There was over 70 dead animals on the property, most of them being cows. Mm. These three little pigs were stuck in a back corner, no sunlight, no windows, they were just fed scraps, and they were living in their own waste and urine. It, the smell was, would just knock you off your feet. And when we took those pigs out and brought them to Sasha and gave them as much space as they wanted in a big mud wallow and other friends for companionship, to see them blossom into their own personalities was truly remarkable. Mm. And every animal that's living on a factory farm has that capability to express themselves mm -hmm. and to enjoy life, but they're never afforded an ounce of kindness in these factory farms. Mm -hmm. So what's the you know, answer? To, so yeah. so what's, what's the answer, everybody? <laughs> don't, don't support eating them. I mean, if we didn't eat them, these farmers wouldn't grow them. It's it's money drives this industry. If there's no call for it, this cruelty will stop. You know, this rescue mm. that Brees is talking about, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in the 30-plus years I've done this. And But now these cows, they live at with Sophie, actually, where Sophie lives. And they run around the field. They're great. They're, they're friendly. It's They're so forgiving. There's so much heart in these animals and it's just not right that we're eating them you know they're not mm. that different they may look different but they're not that different from people mm. 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 and how you know mm. how empowering is that barbara that we can alleviate that suffering just by choosing a different product at the store it's as easy mm. as that you don't have to change your life. You don't have to you don't have to have this wild set of beliefs. You just have to realize that that the taste of animals isn't as important as their life, right? That you you don't have to put mm -hmm. them on the same pedestal, but you just have to value their suffering and value your control in releasing them from these cages just by choosing you know, a, a Beyond Meat burger instead of a beef burger. You know, and a product that gives you the same taste and texture and flavor. I mean, these things are growing. We're seeing it change, thankfully, I think, because of this awareness and people speaking out about it and having that courage, like you said earlier. But that ability to see them as individuals 
You know, come mm. on to Sasha and see them. We have events throughout the year. You know, witness it for yourself. We see our um, our young calves. We have five uh, veal calves that are with us that were rescued, and they they jump around like puppies. They they <laughs> want to lick you like puppies. They play with each other. They play games on each other. They're kind of mischievous like a puppy can be. So, you know, recognize that similarity because we all are against animal cruelty, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, says, Everybody says, I love animals. I love animals. I would never want to hurt them. But that disconnection. Stop eating them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, take that to the next level. You know, you can do mm-hmm. it. Everybody can do it. And I think it's inherent in all of us to be compassionate. We've just been indoctrinated into this society that makes it seem like it's okay to eat animals and eat some animals and love others. There's a great book mm-hmm. that maybe some of your listeners might might be interested in. It's um, it's called Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs, and Wear Cows, something to that effect. Mm. And it's by Dr. Melanie Joy, and she's got some great YouTube videos on the psychology of why we eat animals and how we justify mm. that. We're all victims of this oppressive system. Nobody wants to hurt animals, but we do it unconsciously. So bring that mm. to your, the front, forefront of your consciousness, and you can create some real change, and we can make a better world. Mm. Oof. There's no such thing as humane beef. There's no such thing as humane animal flesh. Ah. No such thing. Stores promote our cows have been raised on organic grass, and they're killed humanely. There is that word. That's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as humane killing. Hmm. 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 Sophie, you had talked to me about because um, I think the first thing that maybe one of the first things people say in argument of this is they'll say, "Well, I need my protein. I got to get my protein." Um, what would you say to that? Um, yeah, I mean, almost every vegan or you know people that don't eat animals or animal products have gotten that question. You know. Uh, I mean, I've been told, like, oh, I, I could never, you know, not eat animals. I need my protein. Um, I mean, plants have protein. You know, you get protein from broccoli. You get protein from uh, soy so or, like, tempeh, which is soy. Um, you can get it from, I mean, there's so many options. I, I mean, that's one, that's, like, the least of your worries. <laughs> like, uh, you can get anything and everything from eating plant-based diet. Um, even the one issue, uh, B12, I mean, I've heard that, too. Like, uh, aren't you deficient in B12. Well, you know, the meat producers will pump in B12 vitamins within the, the animals themselves so that just so that they can say that the animals have B12, that you're ingesting B12. But there's, you know, there's so many deficiencies that people have, and it's not, not all of them are going to be vegans or plant-based um, eating uh, or diets. Um, you know, people that eat both animals and more animals than plants themselves, they have just as many deficiencies and diseases, if not more. Um, like heart disease, all those uh, diabetes, all all those people that have those are typically um, that eat uh, a standard American diet. You know, um, lots of meat, lots of dairy. Um, so I I wouldn't put so much um, emphasis on what you're not getting, but what you do gain from eating a plant based diet. Mmm, well mm, said. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. more and more professional athletes going vegan. Mmm. Let, let me let me tell you this too, Barbara. 
all protein is made by plants. The largest, strongest terrestrial animals on the planet are all herbivores. The elephant, the rhinoceros, the hippopotamus, the gorilla. So if you want to be as strong as a gorilla, look what he's eating. I mean, after all, our (laughs) primates are our closest ancestor, are they not? So mm-hmm. it's a total mm-hmm. myth, and and it's been propaganda. It's propaganda from the meat industry to make people think that they have to have something, so that more people make money. Right? Follow the money train if something is a little crooked, and we can all we can all learn by doing that. But no, this, mm. this whole protein thing is is as Monty would say, it's foolish. <laughs> <laughs> Eat what Bima eats. Yeah, eat what Bima eats. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Hmm. Yeah, what a good point that uh, the 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 strongest animals, the biggest strongest animals, the elephant and the the gorilla, they're they're vegetarian, and that if you want to be strong like them, eat uh, plant based. And um, what an incredible. And then, um, yeah, wow. And I'm thinking about the. Something that blew me away, too, is the World Health Organization on diet said that meat was a number, type 1 carcinogen. So type 1 carcinogen with um, up there with smoking. And I'm like, how can this fact be out there and be part of the World Health Organization? And people still think it's okay to, to ingest meat. And, um yeah, that just it just that just blows me away. That that's that's and then you look at the work of someone like Dr. Joel Kahn, who's the uh, right here in Michigan, and he has an 85 percent, which is mind blowing, 85 percent success rate with reversing chronic, not just like people in their 70s, not just like young 30 year olds, people in their 70s with chronic heart disease that have been told that 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 they either need surgery um, and they don't get the surgery. They do his diet, which is a vegan diet um, in the book Eat to Live, and they have an, he has an 85% success rate in reversal of heart disease. That's It's just amazing to me. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's just people don't know. And it's, it's so scary to consider that we have that kind of effect over our health, that kind of, that, that we have that kind of, it's like we have that kind of power, but it's, it, I know it's scary for some people. And then, um, but yet it's so empowering. So it's, it's yes, yeah. What would, um, if somebody is considering uh, making these changes in their life of, going towards veganism and uh, um, not eating dairy and uh, what, what advice would you give them? I think one of the biggest things is to find a support group, you know, to help, you know, to get people who are like-minded and can support you through this transition. It is difficult to break any habit, right? And eating meat is a habit. So when these changes occur, a lot of people can feel overwhelmed just because of the pure fact that they've been doing it their whole lives. Um, so get a support group. Go online and do some research. The the facts are there. You just kind of have to, to filter through it and really keep the animals in mind as you're doing so. But, you know, there are there's different philosophies of whether people should go cold tofurkey, as we say, you know, just cut all <laughs> the animal products out of their life. 
um, or if they, or if it should be a gradual change. It really depends on the per the person. I know for me, it was gradual. It was vegetarian, then vegan over a number of years. And I know young folks can get overwhelmed with big changes like that. So do what feels right for you, um, but just keep keep working at it. Right, that's what I would say. Yeah, I, I know. Whenever I went, I was vegetarian for a while, about six years before I went vegan, which means I, I still ate. Before, when I was vegetarian, I ate, you know, dairy and eggs and, and things with dairy and eggs in them. Um, but what really turned me to make that um, turning point in my life was to actually, I didn't know about those industries. And once I learned about the cruelty that dairy cows and um, veal calves go through and just knowing that byproducts are just as bad, if not worse, than the meat themselves, um, it, I just went cold to a Fergie and uh, <laughs> dropped all, you know, threw away everything that was in my fridge and um, just started from, you know, just like, what do I eat now? You know, like, it, it's definitely a learning process, but you, you do uh, learn a lot about health and nutrition and stuff when you do go um, fully plant-based. And um, I don't know, there's so much food out there, so many options now that, like, uh, there's so many, like, um, faux meats, uh, like vegan cheeses, um that you can just pretty much implement those ingredients just in normal recipes that you have already. So it's, it's really not as hard as it seems. It, I think like it will be a big transition for some people, but, you know, take your time, do your research, find people that are um, like-minded. Um, I mean, we're always open to mentoring, you know, you can always email, reach out to animal organizations, ask for help. Um, that's what I would do. Mm. I know someone mm. right now who's, daughter has decided to try by picking one animal and stop completely eating that animal and its byproducts. And when she's mm. going to get past yeah. the first one, she's going to pick another animal. And eventually, she'll be done. But she said, I can't do it all at once. I'll do it one animal at a time. So she makes that connection with a certain animal with what's on her plate. And I, I I think she's going to do it. I think it's it's a good mm. way for her to cope with that. Mm. 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 Great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. So thank you so much for sharing your stories and sharing your heart and sharing uh, um, ways that we can empower ourselves right now. Um, there is an event coming up at Sasha Farms. Could somebody tell me a little bit about that? Yes, it's Sunday, and we're going to have a fantastic vegan buffet available, so you can get mm. a good taste of vegan food. Starts at noon. Um, we're going to. Ha- it's called Humane Fair instead of a fair where you eat cotton candy and make yourself sick on rides. Um, this one, you make yourself healthy with some decent food. We're going to have some groups here. Brees is going to be speaking about uh, horses, and we have anonymous um, voice for the animals here and a lot of other humane groups will be here talking about what they do. So it's a, a great introduction to, to not just us, but to other groups that are working toward mm. better care of animals in the state. And it starts at 12 and it's um, $30 for an adult. And believe me, it's worth it. It's really worth mm. it. We're even going to have Wonder Woman here for the kids. So. <laughs> Can somebody tell me a little bit about the animals that somebody would um, have the joy of meeting someday? Oh, of course, yeah. FEMA is uh, probably the most anticipated um, resident that people like to meet. Um, he's probably the friendliest giant you'll ever meet. 
Um, he's like the biggest dog <laughs> too. Um, <laughs> he's a he's a, a Brahmin gear gear yeah, yeah. A Brahmin gear. So he's a, a as big as a cow. So if you don't know what that um, type of animal is, well, he's a cow. He's a bull. Yeah, he's a, so he's a bovine. So um, but he's a he's super friendly. He loves attention. He's one of the animals I would say he he's uh, he gets very jealous if you don't give him attention. So um, but yeah, he's <laughs> super friendly. So I think that would probably be the one. And then. We also have the Jersey Five boys. You got to meet the Jersey mm-hmm. Five, and they are five. Like I mentioned earlier, the five rescued veal calves, and they're also pretty friendly and a little rambunctious at at the moment. They're in their teenage stage of their life, um, so they're romping around. But they're they're friendly, and you can pet them, and you can pet Bima. We allow guests to go into the enclosures with the animals. Um, it is supervised, um, you know, so you can actually pet the animals if they would like to if they don't then leave them their space but it is a great opportunity for you to see to look into their eyes and see that they're no different than your dog or cat at home Um, and then the opportunity Mm -hmm. to try all this wonderful vegan food and that if anybody is interested in going this direction and living a more compassionate lifestyle come to the humane fair because you will learn a lot and you'll also be able to connect your heart to these animals at the same time <laughs> well, talk about it. Yeah. What was that, Monty? Yeah, we got little Daisy Bell. She's a little Holstein uh, calf that uh, came to us pretty sickly, and uh, she's turned out to be a real joy. And Sophie worked day and night keeping that cow alive. <laughs> yeah, it was, mm-hmm. uh, and she's uh, she is so connected to. I mean, you can you can socialize just about any animal on the earth. You can. Mm-hmm. These, and that's not a requirement to be a social firm. You know, we have animals that are not friendly. That's fine. They got their space. You know, we don't. Um, we don't just take friendly animals. Mm-hmm. Trust mm-hmm. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, animals with attitude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, thank you so much. And go ahead. Uh, we're mostly talking about animals, but actually, you're going to meet the coolest people here too. Um, uh. <laughs> we have met so many wonderful, interesting people because we have one thing in common: that we care about the life of other living creatures, and and we, it's all our friends. <laughs> we, we this is our whole social life now. It's it's a place for people too. It's not just for the mm. animals. It's, we're here for each other. Mm, mm, beautiful. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Dorothy and Monty and Brees and Sophie. Um, thank you for um, sharing your stories and your heart and the animal stories. It was my joy and honor to have you on Beautiful Earth. Thank you so much, thank you. Barbara. And one thing uh, before we close up, uh, what's the uh, website and uh, how do people get in here? How do they get information, more information about the upcoming event this Sunday and about Sasha Farms? Well, our website is sashafarm.org. Uh, you can email um, any of us by our first name, Sophie, Brees, Monty, Dorothy, at sashafarm.org. We have a Facebook page, we have an Instagram account, um, we do some tweets, and we Try to make it easy for you to get a hold of us. Call us up. We'll um, we have to talk to you. <laughs> okay. If people.
phone or computer, they can get a hold of you. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or an old-fashioned telephone. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, consider that. If you have a landline, you can still get in contact with y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah, you again. And, uh, a <laughs> well, thanks again, and uh, I I will be seeing y'all for the fundraiser on Sunday. And uh, many blessings. Great. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Take care, Barbara. So, again, that was Sasha Farms, Monty, and Dorothy, and Sophie, and Brees, and sharing their stories. And I just love some of the some of the quotes are just going to stay with me the rest of my life. I loved what Monty said about there's no such thing as humane killing and that there's more suffering in a gallon of milk than a pound of meat. That was uh, that really struck my heart. And um, I love what Brees said about we're all victims of this suppressive culture, and we have the power to make a difference by what we eat. It's oof. That's just uh, something I'm going to take into my walks and meditation. And um, I loved Monty and Dorothy's uh, matter-of-factness. It's just uh, that there's this need, and, and, and they're responding to it. When Dorothy said, I saw a need and I met it, and that Monty was working a 70-hour job and still went forward and started the sanctuary. It's like how many people say, well, I've got this job and I've got to pay my bills, so I can't, I can't serve, I can't go towards what my heart is saying and um, or I, I can't go towards my heart because I have kids and gosh, isn't it more important that we serve and be a living demonstration if we have kids. And I just love that Monty still did the job and still started the sanctuary. It's just so courageous. And, and as Dorothy says, it's not courageous, just, just met the need. It's um, really, really inspiring. And um, I just love how Sophie made that decision to come up from her home and family in Texas and, do what her heart said to do was to go and um so she saw the suffering and she just um she responded she responded oh i'm so inspired i hope you share this please share this information please come out to sasha farms i will be there breeze will be there um sophie dorothy monty everybody will be there come meet us and talk to us and um Oh, something I, I just got to say in the last couple minutes something that breeze said that really struck me as well is is if you want to change your habits of eating meat, get into a support group, ask for help. Um, it is it is a pattern, right? And patterns take support. That I think of the Rat Pack study where they had one rat in a cage with um, drug-filled water. And I don't approve of this study, but they, they had drug-filled water and the rat drank the, the water until it died. But when they took the rat and they put it with other rats, like a little rat village, um, they still provided the drug-filled water, but the addicted rat did not go towards the drug-filled water. And what they kept on finding, that healing an addiction or changing a pattern was not so much about the biochemical, meaning the chemical addiction. It was more about that the addiction was from a lack of support and connection. God, think about that, that that there is actually now studies that show, behavioral scientists show that if you actually ask for support and ask for help, get into a group to change a pattern that you have, eating meat, it could also be smoking or uh, something else, and you get into a group, a meditation group, a vegetarian group, you come to Sasha Farms, you let this, you let the group, you let the animals, you let the people support you, you're 85% more likely to change that pattern. Isn't that mind-blowing? It blows my mind. 
and so all, all these poor people that try to, to quit an addiction or change their meat eating and, and fail, they think somehow there's something wrong with them. But all addictions and disempowering habits are because it's a lack of connection and support. And it's not weak to ask for help. We are interdependent. That a CEO owns a business and doesn't run the business by themselves, herself, or him, himself. That asking for help and having a group of support is actually wise, not weak. And so I love when Bree said, you know, get into a group. Get into a group if you want to change this pattern. So, or come to Sasha Farms this Sunday and talk to us. And we'd love uh, to support you. Brees does talks on the Humane Cowboy if you would like to um, be in co- contact and find out about that. And I know Dorothy and Monty and are really supportive if you'd like to make some diet changes. Sophie really helped me in understanding about really what happens with eggs. I didn't realize what they did to their beaks, and I, I thought that eating eggs was okay. And uh, later I found out that eggs are the highest form of arsenic that you can put into your body. Because now with um, Hiroshima and the heavy metals in our soil, that the meat industry and eggs are an accumulation of heavy metals, and eggs are the highest content of arsenic. That even organic vegetables now, unfortunately, have heavy metals in them, uh, but they're, they're trace amounts, uh, where meat and eggs have high, high amounts. And we know that heavy metals create... Uh, neurological diseases. It creates Alzheimer's, dementia. Um, this is there's no question on this. This is not like theory or um, just you know um, new age thought. Like this, heavy metals do create these illnesses. So you know, eating vegetarian is one of the greatest things that you can do for your health, your environment, and um, the suffering of our planet. And uh, as Brees had said, it's like something you can do right now, and it's something that you can be empowered to do right now. So I hope if if this is really challenging for you, even if you cut out one of your meals a day. And, and like Dorothy said, pick one animal that you cut out um, to begin to move into more um, sustainable way of your body, the earth. And um, so change is possible. I know it's hard, but change is possible and a greater life is possible. It's waiting for you. As, as nature demonstrates and beating heart demonstrates that there is an order, a harmony, and a grace constantly around us and uh, it's just waiting for you to open up to it, that no matter your past, no matter how many times you've gotten it wrong, it is waiting for you to open up to it. So I'm Barbara White, your host of Beautiful Earth. You can go on my website, barbarawhite.com. You can reach me at 734-796-6690. I have a training program that is if you are serious about commitment and change, I have this program coming up in November. And um, I also do individual sessions and retreats. All right, many blessings to you. And um, please, please be a, a voice of love, which is also in Latin and called an angel. So be a voice of love and share this information with somebody. Pass on this information. Let them know about Sasha Farms. Let them know about this podcast and um, take that risk and let people know of the changes that they can make. It's, um, we need you. We need you to be our voice and to help us out. Much love to you and many blessings. And may you go forth and take those baby steps into creating a greater life. Look forward to connecting soon. Take care.